Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's better than this? Got eyes being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Thursday edition of the podcast. It's the night that we've got football, albeit preseason football. The Hall of Fame game is on on the TV tonight, and so we're going to see fresh, new, live football, and man, it feels good. Kyle, welcome to the show. Yeah, who the hell cares if it's preseason football? It's (laughs) football, and it's fresh, and it's back, and we don't know who's going to win the games, and we've never seen these plays transpire before, and after approximately eight months of just watching the same plays over and over (laughs) and over again. You know, it could be a junior high school football game. I could not care less. I am ready. I must have watched the Boston College Wake Forest game 31 times. Sad. That's a lot lot of Dean Deacons and and Eagles. So is there a game like, you know, we've been doing a lot of work over the summer getting ready for the launch of the Draft Network, which is uh, just a couple days away, four days away to be exact. But is there a game that you've come across, Kyle, that you're like, holy crap, I must have watched this 30 times. Yeah, I watched Northwestern Michigan State an obscene (laughs) amount of times. See, that's that's your BC wake right there. Yes, and it's like, really shouldn't have had to watch it that many times, but here we are, so... Uh, yeah, that, that one stands out to me. I hear you, Kyle. Let's get into the news of the day. But uh, before I get into the news, we've got another new segment. We keep telling you we've got these segments. We've oh, got yes. a fun one today. So just keep listening. We're going to get to that. But we've got to start with the with the news here and the, and the big, massive news out of Ohio State where Urban Meyer has been uh, placed on administrative leave with pay uh, stemming from – the situation with one of his his assistant coaches back in 2015, uh, some domestic issues with his wife. Uh, the wife has said that they made the coaching staff and, and Urban Meyer's wife aware of it. Urban Meyer denied it, and there's some some evidence, I guess, that has come forward that uh, Urban Meyer has had, did have knowledge of the situation. So now we have this investigation, and obviously Mer- Meyer away from the team. Uh, Kyle, man, this. Uh, you know, look, we need to let this play itself out and make sure that the facts are facts. But if this is true, and Urban Meyer told, did, didn't do anything about this situation where his coaches, his assistant coaches beating his wife and did nothing about it and covered it up and encouraged her to not report it because of the repercussions to him and, and the media and all those types of things, that is absolutely disgusting. Uh, we there's no good reason to ever cover something up like that. It always comes out eventually. And that's not, I mean, that's besides the point. It's going to come out eventually, and you're going to look like an idiot like you do now. And, uh, you know, there's that old quote, you'll never go wrong doing the right thing. People, if someone's doing something like that that's jeopardizing a kid's safety, a, a woman's safety, there's no reason to cover that up. This is poor ju- judgment by Urban Meyer if indeed he did have knowledge of the situation and did nothing about it. Yeah, if this comes into to reality and is fact, it's irreprehensible, right? Like, I don't understand. Like, Urban, you weren't the 
guilty party here right. if when you were made aware of it, you did the right thing instead of looking the other way, which is allegedly what happened, Joe, as you said, we need to let this thing play out. And uh, I don't want to talk too much about the football side of it because, you know, it's secondary to, you know, domestic violence. And, and that is the important thing. Uh, but this is a storyline that is going to dominate the headlines going forward <laughs> until it is resolved. So uh, expect to hear a whole lot more of this story, Joe, uh, but out of respect for the seriousness of the allegations, I won't go into, you know, the, the impact on the Big Ten landscape or anything like that on today's show. I, yeah, I definitely agree with you there, Kyle. Uh, another interesting uh, story from the Indianapolis Colts, Jack Muhort. Uh, Second-round pick a few years back. He's retired at 26 years old. Uh, the last two seasons, uh, he had season-ending injuries that uh, caused him to uh, miss the remainder of the season. And, you know, I'm not sure if he was going to win that starting right guard job. But, uh, you know, this has been a concern for the Colts for years now, this offensive line. They did a really good job of adding Quentin Nelson with their first pick, who he's going to give them a, a, a pillar there for years to come. And they also drafted Braden Smith in the second round, who has potential to start in the NFL. But uh, Ryan Kelly's the guy that needs to bounce back. He's had some injuries. Anthony Costanzo, I think, is one of the most underwhelming left tackles in the game, but continues to hold on to that job. And then Denzel Good at right tackle. So, you know, this this is a, a, a hit here for the for the Colts offensive line in a position that, uh, you know, they need to get right, especially with Andrew Luck coming off this injury where he's not throwing a football in a long time, acclimating him back to the offense. They've got to protect him and make sure that he can be there for the long haul. And so this is a blow to the Colts, but obviously, uh, you know, all the best to, to Mr. Muhort and, you know, what's next in his life. Yes, of course. Uh, can we talk about the Colts' offensive line situation and just how bad the offensive tackles are? Boy, it is not good, sir. Anthony can't stand you. Denzel Good. Austin Howard. LaRaven Clark. Tyreek Burwell. Jamarcus Webb. Those are your offensive tackles on the roster. Like, they would have been better off claiming Adam Bisnuati, who was Ooh. cut the other day, and actually just landed in Carolina, another team that has a strong affinity for bad offensive tackles. <laughs> but here we are. And uh, Bisnuati would probably be the third or fourth best tackle on this roster. Well, hopefully the interior can come together, you know, give them some stability there. But, yeah, the 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 – the edge protection for Mr. Andrew Luck in 2018, not great. Not, not ideal at all. Uh, do we have any more news before we introduce our new segment? Now, the only other thing that's somewhat compelling here is that uh, the, Col- the Patriots uh, parted ways with Jordan Matthews, who I thought had a chance to bounce back after some injuries last year in Buffalo, and, and obviously he was a productive player for the Eagles for several years. And so I thought he had a chance there with the Patriots, but uh, – hamstring injury in practice they they cut him loose and uh they they recently hosted eric decker for a a visit so that could be a, a possible possible destination there for decker and one that makes a lot of sense to me i see what you did there a possibility right play for <laughs> blow last year uh Jordan was okay when he was uh healthy but uh he you know yeah he's this, not been... this is crazy the first three years he was in the league he had over 100 targets 
Uh, he had 67 receptions for 872 and eight touchdowns as a rookie. 85 receptions for 997 yards and eight touchdowns as a second-year player. And 73 receptions for 804 yards and three touchdowns in his third year. He went to Buffalo for one year, had 25 catches, and now has been cut by the Patriots in training camp. Yeah. Not for long league, as they say. That's how it goes. So, shall we, Joe? We shall. Have a little fun on today's show. Uh, we're going to do a concept entitled Baby Big Boards. Uh, we, we are calling these Baby Big Boards because Big Boards usually implies that there is a long list. Th- these are mini Big Boards with five slots that Joe and I are going to be taking liberties on a weekly basis, selecting a conversation topic, and listing our top five on the big board for that given topic. So for today, Joe, we've been very football-oriented to this point and juncture in the week of the draft, dudes. We figured we would have some fun, particularly at the expense of uh, Ebenezer, the, the Ebenezer Scrooge of the Draft Network, John Ledyard, who hates fun and hates SpongeBob SquarePants, we're going to be giving you our baby big board rankings of the top five children's cartoons of all times. So, Joe, we are going to be alternating our fifth spot on the board, our fourth spot on the board, our third, second, and first. Please do us the honors. All right. Uh, Number five for me on... Are we calling this childhood cartoons, right? Childhood cartoons, yes. All right, for me. Now, I'm born in 1986, so keep that in mind, folks. And number five for me, Tom and Jerry. It's it's solid as they come. Uh, you know, it was always entertaining. You never knew. Maybe those guys were going to become friends one day, but it never happened. But uh, Tom did, and Jerry. Did you was... see the animated movie? Yeah. Didn't yeah. they become friends in the animated movie for like a hot sec? Well, they, that's the thing, is they always think they're going to turn the corner, but then yeah. it's just a cat and mouse, man. It's, it's, it's fun. So that's your five. That's my five. Yeah. My worst nightmare is listing a show that you've never heard of. I just want to get that out in the open before I, I reveal my first one. Okay. Uh, <laughs> my number five spot goes to Rocco's Modern Life. Strong. Which used to be on, I guess, Comedy, Comedy Central, right? It's Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon. I'm sorry. Yeah, Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon. Yeah, yeah, so um, Mr. Bighead and Filbert and Rocco and Heifer. What a great cast of characters. And uh, I'll always remember, for whatever reason, the turtle. Turn the page, wash your hands. Turn the page, wash your hands. Joe, you're up number four spot on your big board. Oh, man. I can already tell that you're going to have a lot more animation to your uh, your analysis on this than I am. So uh, for me at number four, I have Doug. Uh, solid show. I mean, I kept my interest. I think that's probably going to be the theme here is what keeps my interest. Keeps your interest. And, Doug, <laughs> and Doug was something that did that. I really enjoyed the, uh, you know, Doug and Patty Mayonnaise and Skeeter and all of their uh, all of their adventures. Can you do me a favor? Can you can you hum the theme song for just a second? Of Doug? Yeah. Do you remember it? Yeah, I do. I'll do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, my number four spot goes to SpongeBob SquarePants. 
uh, as I said when you know we we tackled SpongeBob uh, when John Ledyard was being the Grinch, uh, I think it was last week or the week before. Uh, SpongeBob came around at kind of like the tail end of my cartoon watching career. I think I was I think I was twelve when SpongeBob first became a thing. So it's a little bit further down for me because I caught it later in my career. But uh, the first three years of SpongeBob are just absolute gold. All right, Kyle. I'm nervous that you're not going to know this one. But uh, at number three, Bandale Rescue Rangers. You know these guys? Yes, I know, you Chip, know and Chip, Dale. And, Chip and Dale. Chip and Dale at number three. Uh, those guys, uh, you know, they're fun. You know, they kept <laughs> they kept my interest. They so kept, uh, they, they... <laughs> it's going to be your copy paste analysis for every single point. <laughs> they they make the list, and I enjoyed watching them. I think they came on uh, before school a lot of times, and so I you know, I get that bowl of cinnamon toast crunch. Watch Chip and Dale. The Rescue Rangers. Yeah, man. Yeah, uh, that, I think that's the first one where you've really shown your age. I'm familiar with Chippendales, but I guarantee our our listeners' demographic, nobody's going to know who Chippendales is. (laughs) Keep calling it Chippendales. It's just Chippendale, Kyle. Chippendale. um, uh, (laughs) Moving on. Uh, Joe, you're going to hate this one. My number three slot, you're going to say it's too low. I know you are. Looney Tunes. The the overall-encompassing collection of Looney Tunes – I had a I had a really soft spot for Wiley e. Coyote and the Roadrunner. Oh, uh, tremendous! Yes, that that was my favorite out of that cast of characters, and that's my number three spot. Cal, do you remember uh, at some point in the years we spent podcasting when I did my Roadrunner impersonation? <laughs> beep it a beep. <laughs> so bad, it was so bad. Uh, okay, so we're at number two. Yeah, we're at number two. Rugrats. Rugrats number two, man. Those guys are always getting into some crap. Tommy Pickles, uh, you know, he got that screwdriver out and broke out of the, the pen. How do you remember he had a screwdriver, man? <laughs> That's what he did. He had a screwdriver to get out of the pen. He kept it in his diaper, whipped that thing out, got out of the pen, and, uh, you know, obviously, what was that dude? Chucky hated that yeah. guy. Chucky he was, was eating Chucky too much was, chicken. You know? He was a little whiner. A little whiner, but uh, Phil and Dill and uh, – Bands of times there on, on Rugrats. Can't forget Reptar, dude. Reptar, yeah. 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 Halt, I am Reptar. Right? That's what he kept saying. Uh, my number two is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Got to get the, uh, the, uh, the turtles some respect and love. and uh, That was my very impressionable years. That show actually debuted, I think, in 87, which was uh, a couple years before I was born. So... Uh, it was considered a, a very strong, long-running show by the time I even understood what it was. And um, everybody that I knew growing up loved Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, so it was kind of an assimilation thing just as much as anything. But who doesn't love talking crime-fighting turtles that eat pizza in the sewers with a, uh, a rat for a dad? Uh, so it's time for number one, right? Yes. Number one is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kyle. Uh, this is the best cartoon that there ever has been, and um, you, you said it well. You got you know these fighting turtles. They do good things. They eat pizza. Each one of them has their own you know like personalities and stuff, and the way they mesh together is uh, was really awesome. And then you know got Splinter as the leader, the sensei. You got a good villain here in Shredder and Re- Bebop and Rocksteady, 
and what is it? The cl- the clone or the clan? I'm and not then you sure. got that whatever that dude, that brain that was randomly like in that fish tank, that guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's tremendous. Number one all time for me. Yeah. Um, so respect. I think what that's uh, that's the first one. That's, our old, that's mutually mutual. Yeah. The only mutual yeah. one. And you, I'm surprised you didn't have Looney Tunes on your list. Well, was I that a just missed? No, Tom and Jerry isn't that in Looney Tunes? No, they're separate. Oh, see, this is like a Marvel thing, or you know, there's like multiple classifications here, and I don't, I definitely don't know which cartoon. I mean, they Looney Tunes is like Elmer Fudd, Daffy Duck, Bugs Bunny, uh, Wiley Coyote, and Roadrunner. Tom and Jerry's like a whole nother universe. Uh, it's not part of it. All no, right, well. no. All right. Uh, my number one is Batman the Animated Series. Watching this guy kick Mark Hamill's Joker's ass up and down the streets of Gotham every single weekend was the highlight of my childhood. And Mark Hamill's Joker is to this day the best performance of that character with respect to Heath Ledger. Because Hamill's just psychotic voice had it perfectly. And um, watching Batman kind of stroll around and introduced me to all the great villains that we've seen in all the Batman renditions of movies that have been created since. Uh, really, really hard to give consideration anywhere else because of how much I watched it. And now, Joe, I know you did say that you did have a couple Justice Miss. Would you like to give him a shout-out before we move on? Yeah, I got. I had three. I had a hard time fitting these in. Rocco, so there's one that was uh, a mutual. Hey, Arnold, I'm surprised neither one of us had that. It was a solid show. And then Angry Beavers. Oh, what a great show. Very underrated, but a good show. Uh, Angry Beavers. Angry Beavers was on my Just Missed. Um, Ren and Stimpy was on my Just Missed. That one hurt a lot to leave off. Like, I originally, that was the first one I wrote down, then I'm stopping and I'm thinking about it. I'm like, eh, I'd rather have this. (laughs) I'd rather have this. I'd rather have this. But Happy, Happy, Joy, Joy is one of the most hilarious gets. Go back, I dare you, go back and watch. Happy, happy, joy, joy now, and try not to laugh your ass off, because you will. I guarantee you. Right. I'll do that after the show. Maybe maybe that could be our intro music today. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe. Don't maybe. put ideas in my head like that. Well, I know that I, if I put the right idea in your head, it will happen. So, All right, Kyle. That was fun. Baby Big Board segment number one. I had We had talked about the show concepts for this, and I had pitched you like four football-related ones and, and the cartoons, and you very emphatically thought we should go with the cartoons. So this this may be football-related. It could be non-football-related. I don't know. We're going to have fun with baby big boards on Thursday. Kyle, the last segment of the day here is our Summer Flings, where we talk about a player that we loved during our summer scouting. And uh, we're going to focus on the edge defender position today. Kyle, I went first in, in in the last uh, segment, so I give you honors here. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, there's only one obvious choice here. As a guy that's covered the Big Ten, Nick Bosa has to be the man crush because he's so technically profound and refined. Uh, great appreciation for what this kid's been able to do as a freshman and a sophomore in college. Uh, did not have a red shirt year, so he came in right out of high school and was – very, very impressive, and uh, Nick is the player that I'm expecting to really give a run 
towards the top slot in the actual draft order when it's all said and done, provided he has another year similar to what he had last year. Now, he didn't quite have great sack production because he was part of a, a very deep and dynamic defensive line with the Buckeyes last year. So maybe this is the year that we see the big sack breakout numbers for Nick Bosa. He certainly has the hand ability, the pass rushing acumen, and mental skills to be able to do it. Uh, He is as close to an NFL ready-made football player as you are going to observe this entire summer before the season starts. Nick Bosa, my man crush at the edge position. This is going to be a high-profile show here because, uh, for me, keeping things in the ACC where I spent most of my summer watching tape, i got to go with Cleveland Farrell for the Clemson Tigers. John Ledger, we keep dogging on this guy, but he's going to try to tell you that Cleveland Farrell is not like a, a top-of-the-first-round type prospect. John Ledger is wrong about that. Uh, Farrell is a stud. And uh, 6'5", 260, um, really love the way that he reads an offensive tackle sets uh, and knows how to attack it and attack the pocket and use his hands to soften rush angles and the economy of motion in, in terms of how he runs the arc and how he uses his feet to set up what he does with his upper body. Uh, a really dynamic pass rushing skill set, in my opinion. Um, you know, he, he does well to really turn corners and reduce surface area to make it hard for offensive tackles to get their hands on him. And he's got counters, right? So he's not like a guy that uh, – when that when that rush angle softened and he needs to be able to hit a hit a move back inside or accentuate his outside rush, he can do that. He's got a vast repertoire of pass rushing moves, and um, I like him as a run defender. I mean, he's very disciplined to maintain his run fits. He sets a firm edge. Uh, he can squeeze down gaps, and and he's a guy that um, I, I really think he has an understanding of of how the offense is blocking him and where that means the football's going. And I think that really speaks to his mental processing skills. Now, I don't think, you know, maybe the knock on on Farrell is that he's not like a a super freak athlete. I think he's a really, really good athlete. But he's not going to be a guy that's going to test like four or five. 40-yard dash or something like that, but I think he'll be he'll be athletic enough, and, and his his uh, his his work as a technician as a pass rusher is really really exciting for me. And uh, he was the best edge defender I saw on the ACC bar none this year. Well, I'm glad we could bring things back around for some football to wrap up today's episode of the Draft Dudes podcast after uh, a very strong segment on childhood cartoons. We know that's what you're here for, and we try and deliver so. Make sure you follow along with us. We'll try and bring some fun to the table as well. But by and large, this is a football podcast. You guys know we're going to stick to it, tried and true. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, the football thing's working for us. We're going to keep doing it. Um, If you'd like to leave us a review on the Draft Dudes podcast, let us know how you think we're doing. We would greatly welcome that, especially if you're going to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Those are our favorite kinds of reviews. Uh, but you can also reach us on social media. Joe is at the Joe Marino, and I'm at Grinding the Tape. And we are here for your entertainment purposes because now not only is football back, but the Draft Network kicks off next Monday. So you're going to get a whole lot more of us than you guys have been bargaining for over the course of the last couple weeks. We are greatly looking forward to bringing you fresh content all throughout the rest of the summer, all throughout the fall, and all throughout draft season. Kyle Krabs with Joe Marino. Thank you for listening to the Draft Dudes Podcast. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.